Every business wants good customer reviews. Every customer wants a good experience. So what happens when both sides click? Or in some cases, when they don't? From Yelp and Entrepreneur Media, this is Behind the Review. I'm Emily Washkovic, Yelp small business expert. Behind the Review features conversations with business owners and customers who wrote one of their Yelp reviews. In our discussions, we talk about lessons they've learned that can be used by other businesses to improve their own reviews and their bottom line. Occasionally, I talk to industry experts on topics like digital marketing or social media or leveraging technology. Today is one of those expert episodes featuring Alok Ahuja co-founder of Trexity. Let's give our conversation a listen. To start, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us about Trexity? What is it and how did it become a thing? First of all, thanks for having me on the podcast. I, I truly do appreciate it. My name is Aloka Huja. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Trexity. Um, we are a last mile logistics platform, essentially enabling any local merchant across the globe to outperform Amazon on delivery. The platform was created and started to come to fruition back in 2018. It was formed out of a specific need. Here we were sitting in our homes and requiring something from a local store within the same day and, and calling that store up and saying, hey, listen, can you send the following items to the house. And they basically said, well, listen, we don't do that. We don't deliver, but we'll put all the items in the front of our store and you can have somebody come pick it up. And so I started calling a bunch of career companies. I, I ordered two Ubers to come to the house, explained what I needed, and they did not hesitate to flip me the bird and leave. This sounds super cliche, but that's when I went back into the house and started to architect a platform that would help enable any local merchant to offer some degree of same or next day local delivery. And when I called up my co-founders and told them what I was trying to do, they said, boom, we're in. Let's do this together. And Trexty was born. I love it. And so many of my small business owners start their business in a very similar way. They see a need and they want to address it head on. I think something that's very unique about your business is when you got started, you were very honed in on who your customer was and who it wasn't. Can you outline that for people? Because I think it's a good learning to not try to be everything to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a great point. I'll just give one quick reference before I answer the question in its entirety. But when I was younger and I tried to start different little tech companies, I was always trying to solve 10 or 20 things at once because you have these mentors and investors that say, hey, what about this? And what about that? And as a young entrepreneur, you're running to those problems. And you're like, yeah, I can do that. I can do this. And you end up trying to solve too many problems and not having a narrow focus on that one thing that you want to perfect and do really well. So with Trexity, we said, listen, our primary goal is to do this one thing. And that is to be the true last mile from the store to allowing them to own their customers' doorsteps in a very intimate way. So we knew the problem that we wanted to solve, and we weren't going to deviate away from it. Now, then we got even more focused on, okay, well, who do we want to work with? And who is this going to be for? And right away, our me and my co-founders looked at one another and we said, okay, we're not doing hot food because we've never gotten hot set of french fries to our door, always disappointed. And we're not going to do humans, right? It's just two things that for us 
Obviously, there was Bohemus in the game already doing this, but for us, it was a race to zero. And so we then looked at each other and said, well, then who's it going to be? And so very quickly, we learned the gaps around local delivery when it came to high-end grocery, subscription boxes, meal kits, of course, retail of all types, nothing big and bulky, right? We're not trying to move washers and dryers, but all retail. And obviously my background coming from Shopify, I knew there was a gap there. And then the last two, which are huge verticals for us are pharmaceuticals. And of course, who doesn't like an ice cold beer to their door? So we do really well with alcohol as well. I should have prompted you earlier, give everyone a little bit of your background before Trexity, because you really do have quite a bit of background in tech platforms that many of my listeners will be familiar. So 16 years ago, after finishing school, university, like most students, I didn't want to work. So I would just sit at home and build things and break things. And that's when I basically ventured into the very first startup around web personalization and what a ride that was, you know, help scale the business over five years and help take it public on the Toronto Stock Exchange venture capital to a couple of months later, getting acquired by Microsoft and injecting the software into commerce server 2009, which at the time was Microsoft's kind of de facto enterprise solution. Then I started to rub shoulders and work with a lot of the internet retailer 500. So companies like Honeywell and Aramark and spending a considerably large amount of time in Chicago at Hamburger University at McDonald's, which was like a dream for me. I lived off the stuff. And then locally here in Ottawa, I really got deeply rooted into the e-commerce community because that's where my heart was and got approached by a couple of gentlemen doing this on a smaller scale for the SMBs. And they said, what does enterprise look like? And what do those merchants need? And very quickly, we shared a lot of the same ideologies on some of the tools that we wanted to build for enterprise commerce. And so when my four years was up, I went over to that small local startup known as Shopify here in Ottawa. And that changed my life. I learned things and rubbed shoulders with people that I never thought I could work with, some of the brightest people in the world, to be honest, and helping Shopify Plus and build the accompanied Shopify Plus partner program, which essentially was me working with our team of partner managers to travel the world and educate massive digital agencies that like, listen, Shopify Plus is a viable solution for big enterprise customers. And very quickly, they started to realize that this wasn't a joke. Next thing you know, We've got Kylie Jenner Cosmetics and Rebecca Minkoff and Estee Lauder and all these big brands every month signing up. And my team and I looked at each other and were like, is this happening? And it was a wild ride. And then after spending a couple of years on the partnership side, I went over to build out, uh, help operationalize the marketplace where we were now connecting these plus merchants to these properly vetted digital agency partners. And then ultimately stepping away from the business in 2018 to be a stay-at-home dad to two very young kids that I was barely seeing and to be a son to my father who was battling pancreatic cancer. And that example I gave you around that merchant that was unwilling to deliver, it was actually because my dad needed a bunch of stuff to the house and I couldn't leave him alone. So there was my dad in his living room on a hospital bed fighting for his life and his son right next to him trying to change the world through local delivery. I will say this one last thing, but he was our biggest fan. Every day would ask, hey, how many deliveries did you have today, son? And I'm so proud. I'm like, dad, we did four deliveries. And he's like, all right. And then two days later, how many? I'm like, eight. He's like, you see that? You doubled. And towards the end of his life, it really put him in a different spirit when he saw that Trexity dashboard. But that's my background. And that's how this whole thing came to be. Such an awesome story. And I love how, even though it was a hard time with your dad at the end, he's still such a big part of where this business has gone, which is incredible. I point to Shopify as a great resource for all SMBs if they're really trying to figure out that e-commerce thing for the first time. My boyfriend used to own a buy-sell sneaker store here with a partner and they use Shopify for everything. And that was 
really the way that they were able to streamline sales in the brick and mortar and sales online in an easy and functional and hands-on way. So Shopify is not associated with Yelp at all, but I just have to give that shout out that it is super user-friendly and great for businesses that are really trying to figure that out and kind of get their inventory management under control. So so great that you said that. Yeah. No, we love Shopify. We're in the Shopify app store. It was the first thing we did when the pandemic hit was we built a Shopify app. And because of us having access to their platform, we exploded and all props to Shopify, all bleed green forever. That's awesome. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back. Do you have a business problem? Well, I know people who have the answer. Hi, I'm Jason Pfeiffer, Editor-in-Chief of Entrepreneur Magazine and host of the entrepreneur podcast, Problem Solvers. Each week on Problem Solvers, I talk to an entrepreneur about how they solved a problem in their business, like fixing their funding or marketing or product or whatever, or I talk to an expert about how to solve the most common vexing problems that you are probably facing, from leadership to lack of confidence. Our conversations are straight to the point because you don't have time for endless blah, 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 and tell me how you got started. No, you're busy. You have work to do. And Problem Solvers is here to help you solve problems. Find Problem Solvers wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I want to get into a couple of different things that I think you are so uniquely suited to talk about. The first one is just why your merchants have switched over and started using delivery. And the interesting thing is it's based on feedback, which is what this show is all about. So I'd love if you could just tell that for us. How have some of your independent vendors gotten themselves on Truxity? Where did that need for them independently come from? And how has that journey looked? Great question. And so one thing you said there was, when did they switch over to Trexity? And the thing is, is like delivery is still relatively new in the verticals that we service. And so a lot of these SMBs, these small to medium-sized businesses, when we tell them that they can own their customers' doorsteps in a very intimate way, they instantly perk up and they're like, what? How do we do that? And I think spoke about this on an earlier call, but we were talking about the evolution of delivery and the evolution of commerce. And I was saying to you 15 years ago, you couldn't just have a brick and mortar store. You had to have a brick and mortar store and an online site. And on that online site, it would have contact us and about us and your operating hours. And then 10 years later, it was like, you now have to have an online commerce component to this website. And then that became a thing. And now what we're finding is a lot of merchants are coming out and they're saying, well, we have to offer some proponent of local delivery. Our store is busting at the seams with inventory. And instead of shipping it out every couple of days with a legacy shipping partner, why don't we just get it to their doorsteps right now? And that's when they really started to get smart around, okay, well, here's Trexity. It's a one-click integration into our Shopify store. This is kind of a no-brainer and it's compound interest for us. These merchants start off small, but then they start to really grow week over week their number of deliveries. But why that's happening is because we're essentially changing psychologically the buying habits of their customers. So they're now going to their favorite stores. They're going online. And guess what? It's the customer, the shopper that's choosing that they want it today. It's not the merchant saying, we're going to ship this out right now. It's the customer saying as they check out, yeah, I'm going to pick Trexy because I want this today. And now the merchant is empowered to say, yeah, we offer that. This is now a piece of our business. And In case you haven't noticed, I do obsess about moving something from point A to point B. And one of the things that we do is we communicate with the end customer. And so when a package is picked up and scanned upon pickup with the Trexity app, we then send SMS communications to the end consumer. 
And the reason why we wanted to do this was for a couple of reasons. One was we wanted to be very transparent so everybody knew where their package was at all times, just like an Uber Eats order, right? Track it in real time. None of this cable man, it'll be there between nine and five. But more importantly is upon drop-off, we wanted to make sure that, A, we could use a couple of different tools like pin delivery and photo verification for the alcohol, the pharmaceuticals, and peace of mind for the customer. But the most important thing we do is in that SMS is there's a link. And we hit them with a little survey. And the survey says, how did we do on a scale of one to five? And give us one line of feedback on something that might have gone wrong. I always go to the darkest, deepest parts of the business or something that really great happened. And we aggregate all of this end customer feedback in real time. And then what we do is every month we present it to our merchants in what we call the merchant report card. And we tell them, listen, this was your rating out of five. It was a 4.9 or five out of five. And here's all the feedback your customers gave you. And it's that feedback, believe it or not, Emily, that our development team and product team reads every single day to figure out what we need to do with our product and our platform. Where are the gaps? What are the customers saying, right? A point in case example, a couple months ago, probably eight, nine months ago, customer said, we started seeing this in the feedback, like, it'd be great to know if the driver was here. So we said, great. We send an extra SMS that says, knock, knock, we're at the door or one minute away, like the merchant can choose. And it was a game changer. And people said, oh my God, it gave me time to prepare and put my bathrobe on because I just came out of the shower. Like we started getting really great feedback. And so a lot of the decisions that we make as a company that our merchants make are based off the feedback we get from their end customers. And it is so important to have that feedback. And we try to do it on the merchant side as well. And believe it or not, we do it with our couriers. We have focus groups of drivers that give us the feedback of what they're hearing and what they're seeing on the streets. And I think Yelp wrote the book on this. When you see that Yelp logo on a restaurant door, because you know that restaurant is wanting you to give feedback, they want to better themselves because of that feedback. And you walk in and you can tell right away the way that they cater to you, right? When you care about what your customers are saying, you're instantly deeply rooted into the experience, but also you're bettering yourself as a company. And so I'll be straight up with you. I mean, we took that page right out of your book. Well, we looked at what you guys were doing and we said, this is great. Like we would read a lot. And some of our sales team does this. We'll read Yelp feedback from businesses and we'll say, hey, listen, did you know you got like 20 Yelp feedbacks asking if you guys could offer delivery? Like we're here. And they're like, oh my God, we didn't even think of that. This is great. So Feedback is more than just an opinion. It is a direction. And I think the coolest thing about what you all have done is by providing a solution for these businesses that maybe didn't even think of delivery as something they would ever offer, you're just opening a funnel that's not even taking away from these other customer funnels they already have. And I kind of want our business owners to think of their online presence like that in general, right? By having their delivery options set up through Trexity, they don't need to think about if the employee is on payroll that day at the time that a delivery comes in or any of that, it eliminates it for them. And the same is true when they set up their online profile, like on Yelp, and they complete it and they turn on that little button that says, request a quote or get more information. They're just opening up a way for customers to connect with them and ultimately transact. Can you talk a little bit about the operational roller coaster that your clients go through and what it looks like for them to add this new feature and how you use that feedback 
to keep it a smooth and seamless process, even though they're going through a lot of different changes at the same time? Yeah, for sure. A lot of people early on would ask me and they'd say, why are you going after SMBs, right? Why the small business? Why? And I would say to them, because it's these businesses that continue to uplift our local economies. But they'd come back to me and say, yeah, but they're the ones struggling the most. Do you think they have time for this? And I say, of course, because they don't have time to run it themselves, right? They need to manage their business. And so I would sit and talk to these businesses and they would say, look, we have a tool for everything in our business. We have accounting software for our accounting. We have an inventory management system for all of the stock we have. And we need a platform that'll handle our logistics because right now it's just not working. We are afraid to scale with the solution we have now, which is handwritten or going to, this is the true story. I went to a merchant and they're on this. I won't mention the name of the logistics carrier, but it was a legacy one that still exists. And I walk in and I'm like, what is all this paper on your desk? And why is there a scale on the floor? And they're like, well, we have to measure the box all sides. And then we have to weigh it on this. I go, oh my God, there's got to be an easier way. And so I took a lot of these learnings and that's when we really started to get smart around creating a very low barrier to entry for these merchants. Right. And so it's exactly what we did at Shopify. We said, how quickly can we get a merchant sign up to have an online store? And then how quick can we get them to do their first sale? So there was a couple of conversion points. And for us, it's no different. It's how quick can we get them to create a Trexty account? So we've narrowed it down to about two minutes. And then how long before they get their first delivery on the road? It's literally a couple of minutes after. We've seen merchants sign up. We've seen their name show up in our HubSpot. And then I'll look at the dashboard and their name is now there a couple of minutes later. And for us, this is exactly what we and still continue to try to achieve. When you can create that low barrier to entry and that trust within these merchants, you won't lose because if we were dealing with enterprise customers, which we do, you can have more than three strikes and mess up and they will still forgive you and they'll still keep using you. Now, the high risk with small to medium-sized businesses is if you lose their trust they are not using you again. Their business is too small and fragile for you to mess up their revenue or their customer experience that they'll say to all of their friends on the street that also own local businesses that don't trust these guys, they don't do a good job. And so we got really hyper-focused on that experience when we were designing and building this out, or even when it just comes to delivery as a whole, right? Like I'm not saying it has to be us, but any delivery experience. And listen, I'll go out and I will do deliveries on Trexity. And obviously when it says driver approaching, it's not my name. I will unveil my alias to all of you listeners, but it's Stanley Ipkiss from The Mask. <laughs> and when I'm out doing deliveries on Stanley Ipkiss and I'll do a couple of deliveries and I'll talk to the merchants and I'll ask them, how, how is this going? And they don't know who I am. And I'll go to the end customer and drop it off and ask them, how urgent was this? Are you super glad you got it today? And use a lot of that feedback to just really understand how important it is to now offer local delivery as a proponent of how these small to medium-sized businesses operate. And the beauty of it all is this service doesn't cost anything, right? So there's no like monthly fee or signup cost or annual subscription. And we definitely are not like the modern day robber barons taking 25 to 30 points of their invoice cost. This is truly honest delivery at a flat fee from point A to point B. So we tell a lot of our merchants, like, listen, put it on your site. Let your customers know you now offer local delivery and let them decide if it's something that they want, because you're not going to lose on this. And right away, like I said, back to that notion of compound interest, it just grows. And they start to realize like, wow, we were missing out on a giant piece of revenue that we didn't even know existed. And one of the wild pieces of feedback we got the other day was one of our merchants reached out to me and said, 
we've been delivering with you for so many years now. And we're finding that a lot of the people that we deliver to, they're coming into the store more now because they'll come in, they'll have a look around, they'll touch, feel it, they'll go home, they'll think about it because they know that we'll just get it to their door and they don't have to buy it right now. And I was like, oh my God, I never even thought of that. Things like shoes. We do a lot of streetwear stores with kids with way too much disposable income. And then maybe when they're at home at night, they'll be like, you know what? I'm getting them. Boom. Online store, Trexity, it's at their door and there it is, right? So that's something that I never even knew would happen, but it's a really cool way to see how customers are reacting to the service and how they're using it to benefit the way that they shop. I think the reason I was so excited for this conversation is because Trexity is a great resource and platform, but there's also so many learnings in what you've achieved that any SMB can apply. And the biggest one is just how important feedback and that open dialogue is for you between both audiences, your customer, the business owner, the merchant, and the end customer who's purchasing the item. And I want to dig in a little deeper on that. First, I want you to share, like, how did you get to this place with feedback? Because For some people, feedback is always someone telling you what you didn't do right, as opposed to uncovering things that could help you improve. But I feel like you've never looked at it that way. Is that true? Yeah, there is some truth to that. And I don't think I ever told you this, but in 2019, when I started building this out with my co-founders, I said, you know, who's going to deliver this stuff? And how are merchants going to interact with this platform? And in February of 2019, I remember the night as clear as water. It was like a Tuesday night. And here in Ottawa, it was like minus, it gets like minus 40 at night. It's ridiculous. I remember putting my kids to bed and telling my wife, hey, I'm going to go to the airport. And she's like, what? And so I put my jacket on and I went to the airport and I hung out in this area called the Uber lot where cars just kind of sit and wait for a plane to land. And this is how deeply rooted I am in feedback. I went to those drivers' cars and I knocked on their windows one by one. And I asked them, I said, why do you do this? What do you love about it? What do you hate about it? But what would you do if you were in charge? And I started to get a tremendous amount of feedback from these drivers. And they would say things to me like, well, we don't make enough money or we don't get paid quick enough. And you know, the hours aren't the greatest. And I started to build a focus group of drivers. Now, crazy thing is, Those drivers in 2019, still my same focus group drivers. They're still working with Drexy. So I love them. But day one of deciding to build this out, I only made my decisions based on the feedback that I got from the couriers that were already doing it. And so for me, Emily, feedback and focus groups is a part of every decision we and I make as a company. And it's so important to stay in touch with making sure you're actually solving a problem that needs to be solved. And so feedback for me goes back to day one of this company. It literally started at that airport when we started to understand the needs of our couriers. Now, for businesses, it's no different, right? There's a lot of businesses that don't offer local delivery, and there's more that don't than do. And I still think it's something that's relatively new. Now, obviously, the pandemic expedited people doing research around it. And I think it's become a thing now where people are accustomed to spending a small amount of money to get something delivered to their house. And I think it's now up to the merchants to embrace that and to figure out a way as to how can you fold this into the workflow of your business and make it a new service offering for your customers. Because I'm telling you, 
customers love it. And finding companies like Trexty um, to help facilitate the needs of that local delivery is not hard because at the end of the day, it, it, through rolling lockdowns or end of school, or there's so many things, life is so busy that we've just now become accustomed to, like I said, live a life of convenience, not a luxury. This isn't something that's luxurious and it's high end. This is now out of necessity. And one piece of feedback, the last one I'll share with you around this is we do a lot of maternity and baby stores and got feedback from a mom that was putting her baby to bed, but her bottle warmer had busted. And she went online and she went to the store that she gets all of her baby stuff from locally. And we delivered the bottle warmer and the feedback was literally, you saved my night or I would not have slept. And as a new mother, do you know how incredibly tough that would have been for her? She would have been busted the next day. You know, it's just instances like that where you would never think of, of a maternity store offering a local delivery, but now look at the impact it's having on their customer. But that loyalty piece that they win off of there, she's a customer for life. For sure. And I think that just speaks to the value of taking a look at what your customers are experiencing. And I want to dig a little deeper on that because your perspective, I think, can be so helpful for the SMB who feels like they're always chasing their own tail. You know, a lot of what I hear is, well, Emily, I can't follow every piece of feedback. I'd be constantly changing things. And it's like, I understand. The whole point isn't Every time you hear feedback from anyone, you go change something. But talk to me about that fine line and kind of where you're still making sure that you're gathering and listening, but not at the detriment of your own North Star. Yeah, that's great. And it's true. It can be overwhelming when you get tons of feedback from customers, especially if you're a very popular and reputable business. My advice to business owners, and I say this all the times to the ones that I meet in person and all the Trexity ones, is anything that's three stars or less, you have to read. You must read that. And I do this, and I'm not saying everybody has to, but go to the darkest places of your feedback. Go to the ones where, not the ones that are like, you suck and I hate you. Like that, that's just, those are just trolls. But actual shoppers that have constructive feedback on something that you can do to improve, if they truly care about your business or the value of goods that they're getting, they'll give you real feedback, right? It's not hard to get nowadays. So my advice is to those business owners, don't be overwhelmed by the amount of feedback you get, but try to hone in on the ones where you know you can improve as a business. Like, why don't you have a mat when it's raining at the front door? That's not a hard fix, right? Like you can do that and turn turn someone's opinion around. But I would say just take the time and it doesn't have to be all every day at the end of every day. Sunday mornings is, believe it or not, when I get a lot of peaceful reading and catch up done as a CEO and as an entrepreneur, I understand weeks can be crazy, but it's for some reason, it's that Sunday morning where I get up, I have a coffee and I will sit down and try to read my inbox a little or read some of the feedback on Slack or you know, go through our dashboard and see what went wrong that week or what went really well. And don't let it consume you, right? Let it marinate in your head. Don't get all worked up about it. I let it sit there. And then I bring it to my team on either a Monday or a Tuesday, a couple of days after the weekend and say, hey, did you guys see this? Or what do you guys think of this? Or what can we do around this? And then you really start to brainstorm ideas. And now I'm speaking to business owners, never get overwhelmed by the feedback, A, and B, never make knee-jerk decisions on the feedback that you read, right? Take the time to make smart decisions instead of those knee 
knee-jerk ones. Cause I'll tell you right now, I used to do those knee-jerk ones when I was in my twenties and they never panned out well. I look back and I'm like, what was I doing? Right. So just take the time, absorb it. And if they enrage you because the feedback is so hardcore, you got to calm down before you make any decision there. Right, Emily? So that would be my advice to the business owners that have a ton of feedback and say, well, how do I read all this? And how do I absorb it all? Just in doses, in doses for sure. Is there anything that you want to speak to as it relates to business owners' obsession with getting criticism offline? Let me tell you what I'm getting at. I think sometimes the entrepreneur that cares more about the fact that there was a one star than what the one star said get really lost in like what could help them. And even the ones who are willing to reply and try to make it right, but are still mad because the review is still on the page. Like, I think that's misguided energy. I think sometimes a negative review makes you look trustworthy, particularly if you reply to it. Do you have any insights or experience there of how you look at maybe the difference between trying to get something removed and just trying to show how you operate and respond to feedback? Yeah, that's that's such a spot on question because listen, every business gets a one-star review. It happens. It's a part of life. And, and your timing of this is great because we got one a couple of weeks ago and it was from a merchant. And I remember reading it and I was like, oh, that, that hurts. Like it hurts my heart to read this. And the thing was, is that the feedback from the merchant was not fake. It was not lies. It was real. Like we totally dropped the ball on this one merchant on this one delivery. And it, it was, we just didn't pick it up in time. We were a little late. And I remember I was driving to Montreal for a meeting and I called my COO and right away he goes, did, did you see the review? And I said, yeah. it was on all of our minds. It's the elephant. No one wants to talk about it. And I go, yeah, I did. I go, man, that was hardcore. And he goes, yeah, it was. But you know, he, he, he's telling the truth. I go, no, I know. I know he is. I go, so here, listen, let's put that in front of the entire company. Let's everybody read that feedback. And what can we do now to improve on that feedback? So what I'm going to say to people who get those one-star feedbacks is don't try to get removed. Do not try to get removed because you know what? There's going to be somebody who saw it and then we'll go back and be like, hey, where did that, well, they took that down? Why did they take that down? Keep it up, keep it up, but try to create a dialogue with the person who put up the one star. So we always reply, even if it's a good one, we reply and we try to start a dialogue. And that is an opportunity for you to go offline and show the humility that you have as a company for the issue that they went through because of something you couldn't deliver on, or that's something that you couldn't provide them with. And the great thing is we've seen this happen. And then you can go back once it's settled offline and go back and say, I'm so glad we figured this out. Your feedback has allowed us to get better as a company, right? I feel like we covered a ton of ground, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask someone of your level at your own company, a little bit about just like the human side. So many of my entrepreneurs, they talk about how it's lonely at the top. They talk about if they have enough time to do the business. Does that mean they don't have time for their family? I heard you mention earlier, you were full-time stay-at-home dad at one point. So I know that balance is important to you. Any advice for being the one at the top, time management, taking care of yourself, prioritizing your team, anything like that you'd want to share with our listeners? It is so lonely at the top. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> that was a gimme. I had to. I had to. I had to. Like, you know, 
There's a lot of books, as you can see. I'm a huge reader. I love to read. I try to read two or three books a month and just continue to educate myself on the leaders and the people that have done this before. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm figuring out as I go. It's not like I took a course to be a CEO or an entrepreneur or a co-founder. These are just things that happened. I don't want to say it's lonely at the top, okay? Is it tough? Of course it's tough. Because if it wasn't tough, then everybody would be at the top as a CEO. And does it require a lot of patience? I think so. So, but more importantly, it's the person doing it. Are you made for this? Because it's not for everybody. And I've now, you know, been in a position where it's been five years and we're continuing to scale. We've raised tons of capital. We're scaling the business. And this is not for everybody. I'm lucky in the sense that my parents raised me to have a very tough skin and deal with stress in a different way than other people. Like I thrive under pressure. Like I kind of live for it. Whereas most people will be like, I can't sleep. I don't know what to do. I'm panicking. And I'm like, yes, here we are. Three seconds left, fourth quarter, me and Brady, let's go. Right. Like I live for that. So I think it comes down to the individual that's in that position. But the other thing, and if people are listening to this and they're like, I am that individual, then my other piece of advice will be make sure you surround yourself with an incredibly talented C-suite, people filled with humility, enthusiasm, and that truly care about the problems you're solving. And I will say that my life is much easier than it should be because of my co-founders, my CTO, my VP of engineering, and my COO, right? It's this team of people that that truly do keep me sane. And I think we keep each other sane. Like it's a very much a two-way street. And we never take anything too seriously. We just don't. And we could be in the most intense conversation as a company and people are upset. And I will normally try to crack a really inappropriate joke. And I do because it should never get that thick, right? This isn't our practice life. We know that, right? This is it. You get the one and you do the best you can with it. And I just never want people to think in this company or anywhere in the world that you have to take it so damn seriously that you just can't enjoy yourself. Like you have to enjoy it. And making sure that you can crack that joke and the people around you will also laugh. And if they don't, then maybe it's not the right person. But making sure that you're all on that level, it really does help. Time management is something that you can't teach. It's something that you have to have a militant focus on if you truly care about it, or you will end up losing things that might be important to you in your life. I'm a father of two young kids. I have a truly blessed to have the most understanding wife in the world. My biggest fan, she's my best friend and my number one supporter, and I'm her number one supporter. Having that is really important as well. And then just making sure that you you don't miss too much in life while you're trying to do this role as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, right? You just got to set those boundaries for yourself. And that concludes our episode. Be sure to subscribe so you get new episodes every Thursday. I hope you enjoyed it and were able to take a thing or two away to implement in your own life, whether it's a new idea that you can bring back to your business or a fresh perspective on how to be a positive influence as a consumer. We share these stories to inspire and create more meaningful connections in your local community. For more information about today's business or to connect with me, check out the show notes. This episode featured a conversation with Alok Ahuja. 
co-founder of Trek City. Special thanks to Sammy Piel, who helped edit this episode. To learn more about the story, head to yelp.com forward slash behind the review. And check out the guest details and episode takeaways. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, so you get an alert each Thursday that we drop a new episode. To claim your own Yelp business page and start engaging with consumers, visit business.yelp.com. Our theme song is performed by Ali Schwartz and produced by Robbie G of Messerol Sound.